You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Curtain up, theater people, and welcome to a special series of Your Program Is Your Ticket, coming to you from Midtown Manhattan, right in the middle of Broadway. My name is Sean Chandler, and I'll be your host. Your Program Is Your Ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, Your Program Is Your Ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater in smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. I love theater and see as much as I can wherever I go. During the travels of the production of my husband and my play, At the Flash, I've met many wonderful people from all over the world in the theater community, and it is my honor to bring them on as guests to the show. Tonight's show is part four of a special series of interviews for the 2018 Frigid Festival here in New York City. Founded in 2007, Frigid is an open and uncensored theater festival that gives artists an opportunity to let their ingenuity thrive in a venue that values freedom of expression and artistic determination. Now, I recently had the honor of sitting down with a superb, passionate artist within the Frigid Festival to speak with them about their individual shows, their wonderful experience with Frigid Festival, and their overall thoughts on theater itself. My guests on this episode are Mike Levy from Lenny Bruce is Not Afraid, Caitlin Overton, Shandy Bennett, and Sean Walsh-Brown from Rutt, and Matthew Preston and Matthew K. Sears from, as he likes it, a Shakespeare comedy. These three shows have such incredibly different premises. An end-to-the-world scenario, a relationship play that bends the concept of time and expectation, and then a gender and sexuality bending high-voltage comedic take on a Shakespeare classic. You'll love the contrast. I know I did. Quick note, as you listen, you may hear some minor differences in audio. These interviews were recorded at separate times and locations. Not that that takes any of the enjoyment out of the experience of these fabulous artists. Just letting you know in case the sound feels different from one interview to the next. So folks, without further ado, please enjoy interviews with Mike Levy from Lenny Bruce is Not Afraid, Caitlin Overton, Shandy Bennett, and Sean Walsh-Brown from Rutt, Matthew Preston, and Matthew K. Sears from As He Likes It, a Shakespeare comedy. Folks, please welcome to the show Mark Levy from Lenny Bruce is Not Afraid. Hi, Mark, and welcome to your program as your ticket. Thanks, Sean. Uh, pleasure to meet you, and I'm excited to be here. Oh, great. Well, it's it's very, very cool to have you here. Um, can you please tell our audience about Lenny Bruce is Not Afraid? Okay, so um, it is the most insane romantic comedy that has probably ever been written. Uh, what it is, it's um, a first date play, uh, but it's also seen actually at our location where we're, where we're we're at uh, not right now, but under St. Mark's the theater. Um, so um, it's actually set there. The world is over. Literally, there's just two people left alive, um, and they randomly found each other in a Dwayne Reed six hours ago, and they go back to his place, and it's a will they or won't they have sex play. Um, while being a dark romantic comedy, while there's probably some kind of zombie outside. Talk about, like, constantly <laughs> upping the stage. Yeah. Uh, where, did, where did this idea come from? Um, I hate to say this because I don't want it to get too political, but I was having a bad, bad Trump anxiety back in 2006, mm-hmm. uh, as most people do every day. 2006 uh, or 2016? Uh, I'm sorry, 2016. That'd be, okay. that'd be very different Trump anxiety. That'd be apprentice Trump anxiety, which is different than now. Uh, <laughs> right, right. But, uh, but still, I, yeah. think, I think people still have that back then. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> he uh, just evokes anxiety. Yeah, uh, 2016. Sorry about that. Uh, it all started... Uh, 
I got inspired like because between I couldn't sleep at night and I just finished uh, my first show at the Frigid Festival uh, that year also. So is this your second time? This will be my second time on the show. Okay. Well, on the festival. So okay, yeah, okay. And, and, and so you're you're having I, some anxiety, and I literally could not sleep for like five months straight for like between like. 1 a.m. and like 5 a.m. and instead of just tossing and turning, I decided as an actor and a writer that writes for himself a lot. Like, you know, it'd be really fun to write a play and use this anxiety that I'm having uh, towards a positive thing. Now, Trump has never mentioned a play. Um, I mean, there's definitely hints of it, but it's definitely... It's definitely a play that's definitely been caused by Trump, whether he's mentioned or not. Sure. Yeah. And and so you take it to, did you say the end of the world? Or the world is over. There are two people left in the world. Wow. Yeah. So it sort of like almost lands at an Adam and Eve Sort of, yes, kind yeah. Of? I mean, they do have to have that discussion of repopulation. Right. I mean, is the human race dead or will it survive? And this all has to, this gets... I won't say we get society or not during the night. I want people to see the play. Uh, right. But it definitely takes a lot of interesting turns, I will tell you that. Wow. Talk about the characters. What are they like? All right. So um, uh, I portray Max, which is something that is really fun for me because I wrote the character kind of close to me as a person. He's very uh, extroverted, uh, kind of a giant puppy dog uh, who's been very, very lonely. Um, and he's also an actor. And that's the reason why he decided to go to under St. Mark's to live because he has done a lot of fun improv shows there, like myself, the actor. Um, and he's just trying to be on his best foot for his date with Mal. Right. Uh, she, when we were casting the role, we were using the term, like she was like one of the mean girls when she was a kid, like, like before things went bad. Uh, and like, she's definitely been a, a little bit of, She's a New Yorker born throughout, uh, but she's definitely one of those people that's bounced through jobs and been through a lot. But like, she's definitely kind of like, she's a, I mean, she's, she's like, she'd be like the top of society type person mm-hmm. uh, if things did not change in the worst case scenario. Well, so she's, so the end of the world sort of knocks her down multiple right. pegs. Yeah. Like she's she's got her character has a lot of walls up. Right. Uh, she's still fun and stuff like that, but she has many many walls that and a lot of un- unfortunate triggers that sure. that bring up bad things. Wow. What's it like playing yourself? What are the challenges? Well, I mean, the character's not me. I have to reiterate. Well, you that. said the character's close. He's to close you. to me. Um, I like it. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of if I can portray something close to me and I'm writing it, then might as well. I mean, it's that way I can give myself more as an actor uh, to my uh, to my to my co-star, um, and also it's it's fun like trying to find different ways that the character is different from you, right? You know. Yeah. Uh, well, w- one of the questions that I ask on um, my my longer version of my show is, um, w- what do you think? 
what's the best advice for any actor, director, writer, producer? And they say, create your own material. Exactly. Create your own opportunities. So uh, I I think it's great that you wrote this role for yourself. Yeah, it's really fun. Like, I mean, I I really enjoyed discovering this character. This is not the first play that I've written for myself or anything. I mean, I normally write more ensemble pieces. This is just two people. Um, But, like... I wrote, started writing. I'm a self-trained writer because I'm, well, I'm an actor that looks older than I am. I'm a character actor and I'm young, mm-hmm. uh, which is not the best thing, but it's not the worst thing. And as an actor living in New York, you want to act more often than not. So sure. sometimes it means writing your own stuff, putting it up, you know? Well, I think it's about taking responsibility. Of course. I mean, it's my career, so I might as well have my choices when I can. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, that's great. How are rehearsals going? They're good. Um, it's been a fun process. So um, we submitted for this festival uh, for 2017, mm-hmm. and we did not get in, but we did a workshop. So we cast the actress over a year ago, wow. and she's also very familiar with the role. So same actress from yes. then to now. Yeah, it's actually like a little bit more of an idealized version of everything. Like I said, we're getting the space we want. Also, when I wrote the play, uh, there's a specific director I wanted to direct it. Uh-huh. Um I'm a big fan of using uh, female directors since as a male, it's a different point of view that I will never, ever understand. Um, Particularly and, with writer, director. Exactly. Sort of a yin-yang. And exactly. That's right. And um, so she's able, she's directing it this time too. Okay. So it's like completely the idealized version. Got an amazing actress to co-star with me. What's her name? Uh, Kayla Mason. Okay. She's incredible. She's done another show of mine uh, in the interim between our workshop that we did and this uh, uh-huh. in the Planet Connections Theater Festivity. We won an award for it, actually. So Cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. That's great. What's your director's name? Uh, her name is Kristen Keim. Wow. Yeah. Uh, both of them are incredible people that get my bizarre sense of humor. <laughs> like, it's a play is insane. Like, really, there's one moment we're crying, and the next minute we're, we're laughing. And then the next minute we're trying to kill each other, and then whatever. You know, like, it's just... Like, these characters are very, very rich and have been through a lot in this horrifying world that they're living in. Wow. And making the best of it, and just have the responsibility of repopulating the entire place. It, I mean, that's honestly very daunting, yeah. Uh, and, like, they definitely don't take that lightly, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it's that weird thing of, wow, uh, first, I mean, I can't even imagine going on a first date with someone and be like, oh, I have to marry this person. Sure. But, like, first date and repopulation, that's a lot. <laughs> wow. Um, you said you did a workshop. Yes. What's changed between the workshop and what you're putting up for Frigid Fest? Okay, that's actually one of the best questions ever, in my personal opinion, because the ch- the play has not gone through absurd changes, but more shaping changes. When I wrote the role uh, uh, for Mal, uh, Kayla was not attached to it. Uh-huh. Um, and so what I did was we added... This is such a weird thing to say. I hate saying this so much, but I'm going to have to say it. Uh, there was not enough sexual tension in the top of the play. Uh, like, we, they wanted us to go further. So I had to amp up the... These people are about to have... Like the top of the show, they walk in, they're basically about to have sex. Cool. And then something happens. But um, I was told, add more to that. So I added, like, two pages to that. Uh-huh. Um, and then, like... I, I shaped the role more for her as an actress. I decided to rewrite some lines, uh, clarify things. Um, I Sometimes when I write, I go from point A to point C without going to point B, oh. and um, which I think a lot of writers do. Sure. Oh, yeah. And the workshop definitely gave me notes of like, hey, maybe if this has to happen, why is this not happening? Um, but 
it was also like putting in small lines here. Like honestly, the script is only like five pages longer. Um, there are more beats. It's a very quiet play. Um, our sound and light design is going to be very minimal. As in, like literally, the lights are not bright in the show because uh-huh. we're in a world with no electricity. Absolutely. So there is not much light on stage. Wow. <laughs> did a lot of those changes that you've made, did they come from audience feedback from your workshop? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, it's, we had, um, we had, I think 60 people watch it in three different shows of it. Um, That's great. And, and we had Q and A's after every time. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of the feedback was very, very, very strong. Like, stronger than anything I've ever heard in my entire life, which is great to hear. feels like I'm bragging. I feel very awkward bragging right now. Uh, but uh, Well, I think we as writers don't get complimented a lot. Yeah. So I, I, I feel the same way. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to. It's so <laughs> awkward. Uh, I'm so used to, like, the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, it was all, like, the biggest thing was there needed to be some more tension in the sexual way towards the top. Uh-huh. Um and a few more clarifying things. One of them I can't really talk about because it is a huge spoiler for the show. Uh, but something had to be vastly rewritten. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really I can't talk about that too much because there is a huge shock in the show. <laughs> well, no, we don't want to review Yeah, that. I, I, Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I'm a firm believer in the concept of workshops. Yes. Because uh, you... You learn so much, and a lot of it is just from watching the audience or listening to the audience. Yeah. Because when, at least for me, when I'm writing a new play or musical, it's taking place in my head, typically sitting in my bed, in my right. pajamas, with my laptop. That's exactly how I wrote this play. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's our, I'm sorry. That's our office, as, as, as non-sexy yeah. as that sounds. Um, and sometimes what what I think is funny is we'll just, it'll just be like, crickets in the theater right uh so it, it's important to have that uh, yeah. that development exactly and like also is we had a director change also in the workshop a different director that i love that i will always want to work with again uh he's a great friend of mine paul morris he's incredibly talented very busy guy with his other job but uh he helped shape the show in a way that i never saw possible and then Kristen does these amazing fine-tuned jobs wow. and makes it I mean, it's really, really, I can't say, state enough how important it is in my mind to have a director of a, at least a different mindset than you, at least either by gender or race or something. Sure. Um, just so, you, like, I mean, my play does deal with gender issues, whether I want it to or not. I mean, it's about a male and a female trying to decide if they can procreate and keep the human race alive. Mm-hmm. I, and as a male writer, um, it's really important for me to have a female direct the show like this. That's a very, very smart call, in my opinion. I think, um, uh, in addition, I think as, as writers, we're responsible for the original macro vision of the of show. And so to have somebody else come in who can pull details out of that and then um, also add their own uh Feelings and and opinions into that uh, is it, it just adds a, another dimension to the show. Yes, and and so that's you know kudos to you. Thank you for having that. You know for opening your mind in that way. And it's really interesting also because um, since I wrote this play two years ago, mostly a lot of the play has a whole different meaning now than it would have if it went up last year. 
I mean, we're a year into the Trump presidency. Um, thank God the slimy assholes in Hollywood and, like, the world are getting outed as slimy assholes. Um, and this is all stuff that's, at, like, there's like a nugget of it all in the play. Mm-hmm. And, like, some of it has grown to be a little bit more. Um, I haven't changed much of that to be more. But, like, it's like that weird thing of, like, watching it from 27, 2018 versus 2017. Wow. I, I can imagine when, when if we're dealing with the current administration and how it affects the world, that changes daily. Yes. And so it's like, what's, what's happening now? I mean, yeah. I talk to Republicans that I know that work in uh, Washington, D.C., even they're like, well, we don't know what's happening from one day to the next. Yeah. So, so if, if some of your themes relate to that, that's constantly ongoing and changing. And that, I think, um, it, it would be, uh, it, that's, that's probably a fluidity that you have to address. Does it change the play from one day to the next? Or is it not so much about that? It, I mean, I never, it's like, just as I said, I never mentioned, I literally, the most mention we say is the events of the fall. Ah. That's the most we say. As I said, that's the thing I did not change from uh, the original version back in 2016 uh, when I was writing for 2017 versus 2017 writing for 2018. That line has not changed. I think that, unfortunately, I mean, we are in the play. It is an alternate version of February 2018. Mm-hmm. So it's that type of situation. Um, but I have not hired anything okay. to make it much more prevalent. It's just these nuggets were actually just written into a play wow. that I didn't like. Some of them I didn't even catch when I was writing. It. Like I'm just like, oh, writing, writing, writing. Oh, Sir. cool idea. Like good character beat, whatever. Uh, and then I'm like, oh no. Like while we were in rehearsals, I'm like, oh my god. There's so much in this that is like insanely prevalent for right now oh, that yeah. was not a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my questions are becoming so probing because I'm so interested in this yeah. that I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting you into spoilers, and I don't want to do you're that. Not, you're not. Okay. I'm very good at keeping spoilers for the show. Okay. Uh, there's cool. actually the weird thing about this play is a lot happens in 60 minutes. Uh, a lot. <laughs> and it's all in real time, too. Uh, these characters are drunk, so they reveal a lot uh, about themselves, about other things. And they're drunk too. We, I mean, what else? I mean, it's it's the end of a first, a, a good first date. Wow. You know, I mean, it literally is that whole like, oh yeah, they're going back to his house to have sex. You know, that's what it is. How cool! This uh, this is like right up my alley. <laughs> well, I hope to see you there. I mean, <laughs> I will do my best to go. I promise. I will. I will. Um, tell us about your experience with Frigid Fest. Okay, uh, our first show ever. Uh, my first show ever that I wrote here uh, was uh, was called All Is Fine in Sunny Florida. It went up in uh, 2016, mm-hmm. and what it is, it's a mashed together of maybe. F- 300 Florida man headlines like as in Florida this is a real one a Florida man dressed like dressed like a ninja breaks into Joy Fatone's home no way that's a real one oh that's actually God. the top of that show oh um, and as a lot of people that follow the Florida man Twitter and stuff like that they know oh my god this is like a really fucked up state all that crazy stuff in Florida so it's that kind of thing uh, so uh, and I am a Floridian so I wrote this play it's erratic yeah in so many ways yeah, yeah. and I like it was like a whole bunch of stuff happened in the show I was the narrator it was called Banjo Man I, had a, I, have, I have a banjo but I don't know how to play banjo and the character doesn't know how to play banjo. <laughs> That's great. Um, uh, and it's just like, it's like a really weird folksy, like, stay out of Florida play. And it went really well. Um, we 
Uh, it was really fun. I did it on this exact stage we're on right now at the Crane. Uh, one of my favorite stages in the whole city. Uh, it's I'm, a great stage. Oh my god, both of the stages they have for Horse Trader are incredible. Uh-huh. Um, and, and yeah, we had a great time. So it was that type of thing. Like I want to do this again, and that's part of the reason why I started writing Lenny Bruce is not afraid, which was not a title to show until after I wrote the play. Wow. Yeah, and that so was it, a weird way too. <laughs> so it didn't get in last year. No, but, it did not. But um, you did, and and again, props to you because you have to. You as the writer, I think, have to keep the project going. Yeah, you have to be the first one with belief in it. So you took it into a workshop, and now it it got in this year. Yeah, and are are you are you are you? Is it a blessing that you? Oh my God! Yes, yes. I mean, any time that as a, as an artist we had a chance to share ourselves our stuff. Uh, it is a blessing. Um, and like the fact that I was able to do this workshop where we auditioned a hundred actresses for the role. Wow. A hundred. Oh and that's me reading with them in a pretty emotional scene. Uh, that would make me cry a lot. Uh, in the, that has not stopped. <laughs> well, of course, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but there's just a lot that like we auditioned girls for, for 10 hours. That's counting the callbacks too. Um, and, Everything has worked out in a way that I'm so proud of. I mean, like I mentioned briefly there earlier that like I, when I wrote this play, I had no idea what, what, what I can name it. I'm not going to call it like Zombies in Love. Right. I mean, that's stupid. Like no one wants to yeah. play called that. Like I literally wrote the play and I'm like, okay, anything of a title for this. Uh, and I was like, listen, R.E.M. at the time. And I was thinking of lyrics from It's the End of the World as we know it and I feel fine. And there's three lyrics that come up very easily in that song. The chorus, um, the the name Leonard Bernstein, mm-hmm. and Lenny Bruce is not afraid. Wow! And then I plugged it in and like asked some of my friends, like, "Is this a good title for this weird comedy?" And like, I think perfect title. Wow, that's terrific. Well, we've got about a minute left. Yeah, so yeah. Can you please give our audience your social media information for the show? Sure. Um, so there is a Facebook page, Lenny Bruce is not afraid. Uh, Instagram, one word, Lenny Bruce is not afraid. Um, yeah, that's really it. There's not much um, social media stuff, but I mean, we do our best that we can. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, well, you're a busy man. Do the writing, best I can. Writing, I would assume, a lot of producing and acting in your show. That's 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 a playful. But I mean, it's a plate that I'd rather have than not. You know, I mean, I'm very thankful, very lucky to live in the city to be able to work with people I want to work with to put up theater that I think is challenging, fun, and differently immersive. I always say, don't complain if your dreams are coming true. Exactly. Right? Well, thank you so much for being with thank us, so Mark much. Levy. And uh, major broken legs for <laughs> Lenny Bruce is not afraid. And uh, just keep at it. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Folks, please welcome to the show, Caitlin Overton, Shandy Bennett, and Sean Welsh-Brown from the show, Rut. Hi, gang, and welcome to your program is your ticket. Thank Hi. you so much. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure. Um, how exciting. I, I, I have to tell you, I'm really intrigued by the name of the show. It's, it's, so it's called Rut. Tell me all about it. Well, the show is 24 hours detailing a toxic relationship. So it's about seeing the cycle of being in a rut. Wow. Essentially. Oh, tell me about the characters. 
Well, there's two. Two of the actors are here with you okay. currently. That's Shandy and myself. Um, is Shandy. it a two-character show? No. Are no, there more there's, characters? There's two main characters and okay. uh, two sort of auxiliary characters who orbit around us a little bit sure. on and off. And the main sort of aspect of the way we're staging it is the fact that uh, all the characters are played by different actors at different times. And so the two main characters are named... Uh, Mark and Charlie? No. Sam. Sam and Charlie. Okay. You're Sam. Oh my Sam. God. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of another show I did. There was a Mark and a Sam. It's a Sam and Sam and Charlie. Okay. And um, Sam is played by myself and uh, Nicole, who is another actress in the show. And uh, Charlie is played by Shandy, as well as our fellow actor, Zach. And so we kind of go back and forth, and it's the, the combinations between, you know, uh, a, a man and a man, a man and a woman, a woman and a woman, and how those sorts of things. Are the show is written without gender pronouns. So okay. we get to see different combinations, like Sean said, about um, these these aspects of a toxic toxic relationship within uh, different relationships, mm-hmm. whether it be a heterosexual relationship, a homosexual relationship. Um, so that was sort of that was uh, taken upon the director when when we got presented this play that had no gender identity at all in the show. So, who originally had this idea for this concept? Shandy wrote the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Shandy's in the show, too. <laughs> okay, great. Now, so tell me, tell me, how, how did this come about? Well, it started as uh, an exercise to see if I could write uh, a show without any gender pronouns at all. I read a couple of things that it was very like character A, character B, and that was how you would do it. So I wanted to see how close, how intimate could you get uh, to these characters without that existing. Um, And then it became a story that I knew about people that I know, you know, in different relationships. Who, Who posed this challenge to you? It was really the director who sort of took this idea that really didn't have... It had some basic staging, I would say, in the in the play. But the director had the liberty of being a director and took took this sort of idea to, to essentially interchange the characters at different points. So we see Sam and Charlie here in the bedroom, Sean and Shandy, and then the next scene we see Shandy and Nicole, for, for instance. So it's the same relationship played by different actors at different times so we see snapshots of these different relationships so it was really that was I would say that was the director's idea I mean I wrote it so that however somebody was coming in to read it they could picture whatever relationship came to them so you could do it with four actors and have the relationship just be two of the actors the same actors yeah the same actors the whole time but it was really our director's idea to to be able to see different people play this out. Okay. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think because we see this in our life, and we see it in the media, we see um, a man and a woman having this relationship, and maybe the man is seen as the more dominant one in the relationship, but that's not always the case. So it kind of sheds a light on that as well, in terms of um, violent moments in relationships? Yeah, I think as, as an actor approaching this, it was very, I had to kind of come to terms with my own preconceived notions about relationships, in a way, because reading through it, you know, you see a character who is an aggressor in one scene, but then is aggressed upon in the next scene. 
And, you know, I, I pictured it my first time through with, as you know, a man and a woman. And then I thought about that, and I was like, well, you know, I'm putting my own preconceived notions into this. Yeah, so we definitely want to strip the, those preconceived notions yeah. away, which... Yeah, I mean, sometimes you read something, you just assume yeah. that's sort of a man, or in this situation, that's a woman. So mm-hmm. it's it's definitely been interesting to see that. So if uh, somebody took the show and they read it, um, could they be completely off base when they actually see the production that you're putting up? Totally. Could they think, oh, this is this, but then, wow, I did not even see that coming. And I hope so. Yeah. 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 Wow. yeah I kind of yeah. uh-huh. Mechanically, how did you how did you put that down on paper? I mean, the way we're doing it is actually the director's vision for it because it's it's pretty linear mm-hmm. in the way that mm-hmm. it goes. All of the action that's written is still there, but from it being one scene where it's a woman and a woman to the next scene being a man and a man yeah. to the next scene being a man and a woman it the moments that we choose to showcase who is who in that moment really has some some interesting mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and on things behind on paper we have these names that could be a male name or a female name mm-hmm. so on paper if you have a i always like a girl I always like the name Charlie for a girl, so that's kind of where my mind goes reading it. Reading it the first time, I did see a man and a female at in the beginning, and then reading it again with the knowing there's no gender, um, I kind of let my mind explore a little bit. But the first time my roommate read it, he actually told me he pictured a man and a man, and I was like, "Oh, good! Like that's that's <laughs> yeah, what I wanted." There, yeah. yeah, like it's you put it's whoever you see. Oh, in there's this. there's universal truths I think to every relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. So when after this, is this your first production of the show? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, first yes. of all, congratulations. Thank that's you. great. Um, so after this production, when it goes on to worldwide fame, of course, mm-hmm. are you? going to be cool with people doing it however they want and assigning whatever gender they want um, to for, for for however their cast is that's made exactly up or their what ensemble I, mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. that was the idea yeah I love this idea <laughs> it's great and you know what and it's so topical too yeah. and yeah. Uh, that that uh, gender specificity and and, and fluidity mm-hmm. is is just is that did that also play in your decision to write this type of a, a show? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because it came at looking at the way we call for casting, too. Mm. Yeah. Like Big time. being able to see, oh, oh, you're called based on your gender or your race, and very little about your actual experience. So, what would happen when a call is a name? and an experience, who would you get to yeah. be able to come to that? Yeah. You know? Wow. Okay, now talk about the 24-hour... The, the you said there was a 24-hour span, if you will, time yeah. span on the, on the time-space continuum. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. How does that play itself out? So we're going to make it a little easy for the audience to know what time it is okay. <laughs> by actually showing the time. Um, yeah, showing the clock, showing um, possibly like where the actors are. Um, it it kind of takes place in their apartment and their friend's apartment, so it's not like they're hopping around to different places, but um, 
We will let the audience know what time it is. Are you utilizing... Well, you don't have to tell me if you don't want to, because I don't like to give away too many spoilers, but um, are you utilizing graphics for things like that? We'll have something projected. Oh, okay. So it's a little... I mean, there's no... That I know of, no big... I mean, it was written to have a clock there. Mm -hmm. Wow. We want to see the passage of time. And, I mean, obviously, we don't have 24 hours to do it, but (laughs) we want to show that. We want to represent that. Wow. And and you're doing it in... 60 minutes or less because you have a 60 minute right. window in which to present your show mm-hmm. it times at about 45 now yeah just okay. about wow okay I'm really curious how are rehearsals going for the show because it just seems like there's just I don't, I don't know I don't know how to describe this, this is the first time I'm, I'm stunned by not being able to describe a show and I love that <laughs> same <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> how, how are how are they how are rehearsals going rehearsals have been really good they've been really good it's, it's been the big goal we tried to create uh, with a show like this that deals with a lot of intimacy and you know some conflict and some touchy subjects we wanted to create the most like a safe environment to kind of explore that yeah and so I've, I felt a very close bond with my actors my fellow actors very quickly and um we we approached it really keeping everybody in the loop it was not you know a director sort of throwing out ideas and us just doing them it was sort of asking you know how we felt about things what our Uh perspectives on the characters were and how we would act and how we wanted to see things we did work with an intimacy director yes yes yeah it was very okay what's an intimacy director so an intimacy director this specific woman is also she's a fight choreographer Uh and intimacy director so that person sort of stages the choreo stages the the moments of violence whether it be a fight a punch um and also sort of these moments of sexual sexuality sexual um interaction that goes on but it's even choreographing something as simple as a kiss on stage Mm -hmm. because it's so often that those things can get really awkward because it's now just like and kissed out yeah when you're when you're staging you know intimacy that way there's this always this anticipation of like is this the day in the rehearsal room that we're gonna kiss are we gonna how are we gonna do it Mm -hmm. and you never know someone's comfort level when it comes to that sort of thing so approaching it like a fight and kind of blocking it out creating a skeleton for the actors to then play with it you know like within a playground, basically, Mm -hmm. where you feel safe to explore that. I I think that someone else telling you what to do, Mm -hmm. saying, okay, right here, here kiss, here kiss on this part of the body, if if need be, here embrace, here, you know, uh, simulate, whatever you need to do. I don't want to get too too graphic, but... it feels like somebody else telling you what to do. It's like, okay, that's fine. That's not me initiating it. Mm-hmm. Precisely. And, and Precisely. all I ever hear, because I'm 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 not an actor, mm-hmm. and I would not be oh, I would not be comfortable doing love scenes if I were. I just mm-hmm. that's just me. But mm-hmm. um, all I hear is that it's they're really, and I don't want to like there. There really is nothing erotic about what's actually going on in your body and your mind when you're doing it but if you're doing it correctly it has to look erotic for sure and it has to feel organic in some way right to the actors and that's why we brought this woman Claire in yeah um I mean, I wasn't in the room, but it sounded like everything was happening yeah, it's, it naturally. Was it's not like, okay, kiss, guys. like For sure. I mean, now that I've had the experience, I would want to do that. Do it that way, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's his own language around it, too. Yeah. 
they, they really developed a system of how to approach this thing. And how to communicate with each other. Yeah. yeah I, think. I think that's so important right now with where the industry is. Oh, yeah. Where so many people are about, you know, mm-hmm. consent and boundaries and, you know, creating a safe environment where everybody can feel comfortable. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I'm a writer as well. I do a lot of work in Chicago, and they're very, very conscientious and sensitive mm-hmm. to that right now because of people who have actually crossed lines. Yeah. And have hurt people and um, have made them feel uncomfortable. So I, I can only imagine that you have to approach those kinds of scenes with just tremendous sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And um, did you have a, a lot of time as a cast uh, to get to know each other before you went into those more intimate moments? I know that the rehearsal periods are... Mm-hmm really, really fast yeah. for a festival. Yeah. Is, did, did you have some time to, to sort of grow into that a little bit? We all sort well, I'm not in the show, but <laughs> we all knew each other except for two of our actors, but I mean, from what I see, everybody's... We had pretty much blocked everything else besides the moments of violence and the moments of intimacy yeah. before we went into the room, so there was some... Yeah, we had, we had time to sort of to get other. to know each other and get that yeah. comfort going before jumping into it, but I think it's, it is a testament to everybody in the show and everybody involved in it that we kind of, you know, we're like, this is it, you know, let's go for it. We wow. knew we had to be sensitive with it, so yeah, I think that prepped sort yeah, of big time. everybody. That's terrific. Well, what do you want your audiences to leave with after seeing Rod? I was actually just talking to Michael about this the other day. Uh, Michael's the director. Um, I would agree with this. I would say that for me, um, this show is a snapshot of something that a lot of people know in their own life or have experienced. So I would say that seeing that and maybe being able to recognize it and see this portrayed in a very artful way is something that um, I encourage people to, I guess, um, I don't know. Like, I just want people to appreciate the artful, like, vision behind this, but also to um, be able to examine this in their own life, I guess, because it, it... it's a rut. Are they going to get out of it or not? Like, that's sort of the question for me. I don't know. I would want it to start a conversation because there are many things to unpack in it. So even if one thing lands on someone like, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah, maybe I should think about this or talk about this. Yeah. With someone, yeah, yeah. Like I like I said earlier, there's I think there's universalities in relationships, and you know it's sure. sometimes you don't realize that you were the bad guy in a situation, or that you or that something bad happened to you because you sometimes look past those things and mm-hmm. to, to see both sides. It's not a perfect relationship in the show. I think both characters are flawed in their own ways, and you can kind of see yourself in both of them. And I think that you should. Yeah, Good. and fun. yeah, and to say a. a re- I have a perfect relationship. Nobody has that. No. Um, And also, oh my God, what was I just going to say? Yeah, I mean, what really drew me to the show was that it's not trying to be something it's not. It's Mm -hmm. these two very real people doing this very real thing. And um, I just want people to recognize that... um, it's re- that yeah, it's real. I don't know. Like this is a very real portrayal of 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 uh, relationships. Yeah. 
can I put a theory out there? Would sure, that be okay? Um, can I say that uh, I'm probably I'm going to say I'm probably a good twice all of your ages. <laughs> so it feels like you you might have some audience that's in a different generation. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want them to have to sort of awaken an awareness of how they view relationships on? the sexuality spectrum um, because it feels like rut is a great title if what you're doing is saying look we're going to shake you out of your rut a little bit yeah. and we're going to tell you we're going to show you that that, um, that there's there's sort of a new horizon out there and there's a new way of thinking am I am I Am I aiming correctly yeah. at least? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, a very I like cool that. I, like, yeah. I love that, too. I think, and this kind of brings up what I would say if people were to get anything out of it, it's that we're all looking for the same thing at the end of the day. We're all looking to just love and be loved. So cliche, but sorry. <laughs> well, it's, it's true. <laughs> um, there's a reason why there are cliches. Right. You're, <laughs> you're, yeah, just because it's a gen- there might be a generation gap. You know, at the end of the day, we're all we're all looking for the same thing. So I think, yeah, definitely, that that's a totally fair. Yeah, statement. I think that's a cool question to ask. I hadn't, I honestly hadn't even thought about it that way because yeah, you know, I'm we're all sort of the same age here, and mm-hmm. I in the show and working on the show, and um, I think the way we've done it, there isn't anything that can't be perceived by you know someone of a different generation. I think we kind of tried to keep it timeless in a way. I would love to see the show done with actors who might be. 20, 30 years older than, than us. For sure. I think that would yeah, be really cool. I could, that would be great. And you and you wrote it in an open concept, so that could actually happen. Mm-hmm. Genderless, ageless. It, be, <laughs> yeah, it right? is ageless. Yeah, really? Yeah. It, really. yeah. I, don't, I don't think there is anything that no is very specific. No, yeah. Yeah. To well, age. I think that theater should entertain, educate, and, and edify or uplift us. Yeah. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing with Rod. And um, uh, you're uplifting us definitely out of a rut and making us pay attention and and see something that maybe you know uh, we we haven't seen before and that's cool that's what theater does it wakes people up so that's that's just my opinion from talking to you for guys you guys Thank for 20 you. minutes I'm glad every, every now and then I get a little wood on the ball there so <laughs> um, before we wrap up can you give our audience your uh, show's social media information where they can go to get tickets and support you and uh, find out more information etc et yes Please. so you can uh, learn more about us on our website it's nodominiontheater.org um, that's your theater company, right? Yep, that's us. Cool. Um, and our Instagram handle is at No Dominion Theater Co. And that's spelled N O D O M I N I O N T H E A T R E. Theater with C-O. an R E. Yep, theater <laughs> okay. with an R E. Cool. Um, we're on Facebook, and you can get tickets at www.horsetrade.info. And then you just scroll down to find Rut. Excellent. I think that's it. Well, this has been really illuminating to me, and I'm, I'm so glad that I got to talk to the three of you. I'm really going to try my hardest to go see the show. 
So I'm, thank you. I, thank you. And, and I encourage everybody who's listening to to go see it because it sounds like it's it's going to be very eye opening and cool. And, 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 and I love the concept. Thank you. Props. Yeah. High five to you. Great Yay. concept. Wow. <laughs> so thank you very much, Caitlin Overton, Shandy Bennett, and Sean Welsh Brown of the show Rut for being on your program as your ticket. You were awesome. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> Folks, please welcome to the show Matthew Preston and Matthew K. Sears from the show As He Likes It, a Shakespeare comedy. Hi, guys, and welcome to your program as your ticket. Hi. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Tell our audiences about As He Likes It, a Shakespeare comedy. Uh, well, this is an LGBT adaptation of As You Like It uh, that was... Uh, uh, Adapted by Jenny Osco and Chris Weigand, who are Sour Grapes Productions. Uh, it's the second time they're they're mounting it, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. The, yeah. It is the second time, and with you're gonna expect a lot of comedy, a lot of slapstick. Yeah. Very hilarious. It's a Hilarity. pretty modern adaptation. Uh, for instance, the. Wrestling is very modern, if you get my drift. It's got a lot of pretty over-the-top humor, which I think makes it uh, a huge amount of fun. Wow. And are are your actors in it, correct? Yes. Yes. I'm playing Orlando. And I'm playing Oliver, his brother, and also Sir Oliver Martex, who's a drunk Irish priest. Yes, so you're all of the Olivers. All the Olivers. (laughs) And we're brothers, and we hate each other. Yes. (laughs) I despise him. I cannot stand him. I'm sorry. I'm still laughing at all of the Olivers. Yeah, I love I love that phrase. That's the way Shakespeare casting right, works, exactly. right? Yeah. Have, have they, they written it um, with uh, the cadence of a Shakespeare play? Like, oh, yeah. certainly, yeah. I, I, and, I'm not sure about percentage, but I would guess a majority of the text is taken directly from Shakespeare. And then there are sort of modern interjections. Uh, there are certainly um, some Shakespearean style lines, but about modern concepts and so on. So it really jumps back and forth occasionally between uh, sounding very much like Shakespeare and being just outright uh, modern slapstick comedy. Like straight up. Wow. And where where does it take place? Uh, it takes place in the. Uh, I was about to say the name of the kingdom, but I'm pretty certain I. They actually right? don't say what's that. Don't is it the Forest of Arden? The Forest That's, of Arden. Yes. There's a bunch of places actually that it takes place in. True. So there's not really a lot of set changes. It's per uh, se, one of Shakespeare comedies. So like all of Shakespeare's comedies, it begins in a court and everyone ends up in the woods completely confused. Yes. So a lot of the play takes place uh, in the woods with people in various disguises, uh, mixing and matching all the characters as they meet, losing their way throughout the woods and so on. Uh, a lot of character changes, a lot of yes. costume changes for our our large cast. Wow. And you're at the Crane, correct? Yes, we are. Okay, all right. Well, that's because it's, it's a small dressing room over here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it, well, the reason why I ask is because it, it, it has its this modern tone to it at times. So I was wondering if it would had been set in any particular city or a big city or something like that. No, no, no. It's uh, certainly in modern times. I mean, we have some jokes about cell phones and so on. The costuming is all very modern, but it's not uh, specifically set. It's not, you know, uh, as you like it, LGBT in Chicago or anything specific uh, location-wise, I believe. It's... uh 
I would assume it's very, very fast moving to tell that long story yes. yeah. in in sixty minutes. Yes, most certainly. We actually, I think most of the comedy is sort of directed to be very quick moving. Like uh, there are a lot of jokes told as we're coming on or going off, uh, as we're entering and exiting. Uh, we sort of use that because we do have to move pretty fast to get to fit into the time. That's always something I think is challenging for Jenny because as a writer and a director, she's always cutting. She's always editing, and especially with this. She's like, okay, guess what? It's, it's We're going to cut this. We're going to edit this. But she always keeps the good jokes in there, the good stuff, the good parts. Definitely. That the audience is going to love. Now, do you know if there was a longer version of the show? Yeah. And how long was that, and how much did Jenny cut? Was it? I think it was a, at least an hour and a half, maybe? To Because I saw the original when it was at the, I want to say, the Secret Theater in Long Island City. And it was at least an hour and a half to an hour, one hour and 40 minutes long. So she's cut a lot, and she's still cutting. Yes. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have rehearsals, and we're like, you know what? We're just going to cut that. Okay, cool. Now, do you find that it's easier to, to cut than it is to add in? Yeah. Yeah, does it throw you off? I mean, does it does it bump you to another place in the script? Well, it's less to know, be. so it's fine with me. Yeah, so. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, less memorization. Yeah, I think it serves a number of scenes too because sometimes we'll take a line out, and the next time we do the scene, it just feels paced much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, a sure. lot of times, because when we cut something, it'll be you know these quick back and forths, and then someone will have quite a long soliloquy, basically, sure. and we'll go, "This is great. There are some beautiful ideas. Let's just take the whole middle out of that, and the scene feels much better." Quaker right after. And and are you still feeling uh, a, a good balanced ratio between um, the Shakespeare style of speaking as well as the modern uh, elements that are going into the script? I mean, is, is, she, is she keeping a really tight eye on that? Yeah. Because yeah, it feels like, like there's a balance there. There is. And Maybe not 50-50, but 70-30 or something. I'd say 60-40, 70-30. Yeah. yeah. I'm terrible with math and terrible with fractions. I'm like, you know, 90-50? I don't know. <laughs> I'm horrible with, with math. So that's why... Yeah, I, I think it is really a, a great balance. And I also love that whenever rehearing some of the jokes that I might have missed in the audience before, I'm always laughing. It's, it's so hard to keep a straight face for this cast because everyone is so talented. And we have a really good crew. We do. Wow. It's a lot of fun. I would imagine. I would imagine you have a lot of support. If if you're if you're changing costumes, really, are you changing off stage or is it, yeah. is it a trunk show? Is it you go back there and you're in a completely different costume and come out and is is that how how's that working? It's changing off stage. I don't think there are any changes on stage. Right? No, no, it's, no, it's changing it's, it's off all off stage. Uh, and. Uh, I think I think for the sake of time, actually, there was some talk of various scenery changes, and that's been cut down. Uh, if you've been in the crane, you know it has those three moving panels. Love those doors. Yes, yeah, those, they're wonderful. They're very right. cool. Yeah, yes. exactly. We're going to have a setup for the court and be able to turn it around for the woods. But otherwise, we were like, we have enough costume changes, and we are moving through these jokes fast enough. We're probably not going to set up like a plant here and this there. So uh, I think some set pieces were cut down, but otherwise, we still have uh, uh, two beautiful backdrops to put up and a whole lot of costume changes to run through some of us uh, off stage and come back on to somebody else. Do you do you ever feel like who am I now? <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever think okay who, who am I now? I mean is, does that ever happen? No, for me personally no because I'm only two characters and the second character Sir Oliver Martext is very he has such a distinct 
he actually has an Irish accent, so we're going to hear that. So it's I, going from, I remember we were doing rehearsal with being Sir Oliver Mortex, and I had a hard time sort of jumping back into the Oliver because Oliver, his brother, sort of has, um, Orlando's brother, sort of has, I give him a fake sort of English Madonna-ish accent, pretentious yeah. Madonna accent. Because pretentious is good, yes. It's yeah, very so pretentious. It's so pretentious. So I remember I it, it, was, it was sort of hard being like, okay, time. Oh, wait, no. Who am I? Wait, Oliver. Yeah, okay. Um, but I think that Ken, who Ken has probably like is the five, he has five, there's one of, our, one of our actors named Ken, he has five changes and four or five at least, yeah. and he's, I don't know how he, how he does it and how he keeps he it He plays the wrestling challengers, the strongman, he plays a, a, a French noble done with a very over-the-top accent, so he comes on and off, I believe there's at least one scene in which he plays two people, so he yeah. brings someone in as one character, he leaves, comes back on as another, so I don't know how he keeps it straight. So far he is in rehearsals wonderfully, but yeah. it's a challenge for him, I'm sure. How many people are in the cast? At least ten? Nine uh, or ten? Wow, I've never counted. Yeah, I would say nine or ten is probably about right. <laughs> then again, there I go with my math. I'm, I'm going to say like 27. <laughs> 123. It's at least between the two of A million. Those, yes. You've, uh, you've flanked the correct answer, I did. I'm sure. Wow. <laughs> I think nine or ten is about right. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Um, when you started rehearsals... Um, I think different directors start different shows different ways. Some of them start them right on their feet. Some of them do table work. How, how did you start rehearsals? Oh, we started right on our feet. We started with the final scene because we are uh, uh, doing everything scene by scene, like one rehearsal for a scene, uh, until everything's gotten sort of one go-through, and then we're doing a whole bunch of, actually just this coming week, we're doing a bunch of full run-throughs. And so the uh, final scene has everyone from the play, and so we began with it to get uh, actors who hadn't met each other before a chance to meet each other, find out what the chemistry was like. And there uh, is so much chemistry <laughs> oh my gosh the chemistry is like through the roof yeah. exploding with chemistry I think we got through fewer uh, run throughs of that scene than in any other rehearsal partly because we had so many people there but partly because everyone's meeting each other we were cracking extra jokes and so on so and this is my fourth show with Sour Grapes Productions and Jenny and Chris and rehearsals always take place in their tiny apartment. They can say they've said tiny in their in their tiny apartment. So I know I knew what to expect. I was like, oh, okay, all the cast is there. Great, we're gonna be crunched up. It's gonna be warm. <laughs> we're all gonna get to know each other. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. And lo and behold, that's what happened. Yeah, miming an entrance is basically taking half, not even a full step, half a step to your right, and you're like, I'm now on stage. So, <laughs> so good to go. So they had themselves and ten cast members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In in a. A tiny. Yeah. Their words, right? Yes. Their yes. words, right? Yes. Not, not ours, cozy. their words. I'll say cozy. Okay, okay. cozy. It's a snow. Cozy, tiny, tiny, cozy? Tiny, cozy. Tiny, Apartment. Cozy. It works surprisingly well. It is yeah. as cram- is exactly as cramped as it sounds, but it works surprisingly well. And usually when you first get there, Chris, who is uh, also in the cast, she is our stage manager and costumer, and she's always like, okay, well, we're going to try, go in the bathroom, and we're going to give you a tux to try on. Yeah. Or, the middle of scenes, she'll be like, hey, try these pants on. You don't have a line for a while. Just step out for a moment. We need yeah. to know if they're the right length. <laughs> I think that maybe there's something psychological going on there to where it's like, well, if they're rehearsing in our tiny little apartment, when they get to the Crane Theater, it's just going to feel like a giant expanse of a stage. It is. It, it definitely will. Yeah. It's absolutely going to feel that way. <laughs> it's like luxury. Their intention. <laughs> if that's their intention, they've never admitted it, but either way, it is going to feel 
amazing in such a big space. I'm looking forward to our tech run to getting out there and uh, uh, blocking things in sort of the scaled up version. Those are always fun. I always say my my theory for techs: if you have a horrible tech, or where techs just don't, and you know everything goes wrong, and and we run out of time, or that's whenever you have the best show. You've gotten it all yeah. out of the way. Yeah, that's your, your, your first show, your opening show. Perfect. Good. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Tech preview. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, that's it's. Uh, so you're you're not in the crane yet doing not your yet. work. Not yet. No. Next week. We oh, are. okay. Crane is a very busy schedule, I, so we've got a tech very shortly before we open. But we've yeah. had uh, oh rehearsal after rehearsal. Like I said, every scene is getting its own rehearsal, so every scene is being gone over uh, three times at the very least, probably more like four or five, um, and then we have three. Four full run-throughs? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not too bad. No, not at all. I mean, I if know. you have the luxury of having every scene have its own rehearsal. Definitely. And yeah. how many scenes are there in the in the show? Oh, geez. There, that's a lot. But some of them are quite short. Some of them have yeah. been cut down to just like, what, are you weary? I will find you food. Run away. That's yeah, two a months. scene now. <laughs> so, but uh, okay. altogether, probably... Uh, tw- I want to say 25. There we go with the math again. I want to say 25. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> you really are. I'm literally counting math. I'm like, wait, four times that act is four. Yeah. That's 25 well, sounds about right. I'm over here counting on my fingers. You just can't see it because my hands are in my lap. Um, tell me about the the queer in a Shakespeare comedy. Sure. I, I think it comes from our two main characters who yeah. are destined to, to be in love with each other, but of course, what just like any, I think, romantic plot, they get pulled away, you know, boy meets boy, boy loses boy, boy has to go looking for boy in forest, and then boy's brother is trying to rip them apart, and... It uh, happens, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> there are two couples at the heart. Oldest of it. story in the book, right? Always. <laughs> <laughs> there are two couples at the heart of it, and uh, the LGBT comes in with changes like uh, uh, I'm playing Orlando. Orlando is also Orlando, and as you like it, but in as you like it, Orlando falls in love with Rosalind, and here I fall in love with Ross. And I think as you like it is uh, especially fun uh, for for this kind of adaptation because. In As You Like It, in the original Shakespeare play, uh, Rosalind makes her way into the woods and has all these meetups with Orlando, but the entire time she is dressed as a man, hiding as a man, pretending to be a man to Orlando who has no idea. And so, uh, in our version, that has to be done backwards. So Ross becomes Rosalind for the middle portion of the show. And there are other subplots with other sub-characters as well, such as Phoebe Definitely. and Sylvia. And Phoebe and uh, Celia, I believe. Celia, yeah. Celia yeah. not so, Sylvia. Uh, I actually can't remember <laughs> what the matchup is in the original Shakespeare, but once again, that's a straight couple in Shakespeare's original play uh, and a lesbian couple in As He Likes It. So uh, it's, it's a change in, I think, a total of five or six characters' gender, but at least the two main couples have uh, 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 changed slightly. And there's a dash of fabulosity. Definitely. It's not, it's not a sprinkle. Can you ex- expound upon that oh without gosh. giving away spoilers? The wardrobe <laughs> in this is amazing. Uh, one of our characters channels Lady Gaga. Oh, gosh. Yes. So we have some really, really cool yeah. wardrobe. 
there's a number of fun outfits throughout. Uh, <laughs> as any good fit. Yeah. We're not going to spoil that <laughs> one. No. Uh, as with any good Shakespeare comedy, it ends with uh, a whole lot of, like, a mass wedding, essentially. That scene is insane. It's going to be wildly over the top. Uh, that's where Gaga comes in in full force and so on. So I think that's probably going to be the peak of it. But it's sprinkled throughout the show, uh, largely in unexpected ways. And I was given a new prop. I don't even know if you know about this prop yet. Maybe we'll discuss this after after this. But I was given a new prop, which just has camped up my character so much. I love it. I love that Jenny has let me play a soap opera villain cartoon to the fullest, to the max, and I was just thank. I mean, thank you so much. And she gave me this one prop, which I don't want to ruin. I don't want to say uh, until until people actually see the show. Which I'm just like, this is yes. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> wow. It, it sounds uh, phantasmagoric in a way. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm going to uh, use I, that. I, I have. I don't know what to expect. It's it's, it's a lot, right? Yeah. It's uh, it, my, my 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 mind is trying to. Piece it all together. It's it's mucho tastical. It's mucho tastical. There you go. <laughs> oh gosh, wow. It is a lot in every way. I think ninety um, percent of the notes Jenny has given me has been more. I want more of that. More animated. More of the top in every way. So many of the characters that are comic relief are way out there. Their accents are completely over the top. Like we say slapstick to the nth degree, but also just uh, uh, like in the actual love story, really over the top. Just leap into each other's arms and go for it in those scenes. So everything is sort of in the, the first, highest energy. You guys, in the first rehearsal, you and Brian... Oh, yeah, we went for it. Who After Jenny was like, it's the first rehearsal, people are meeting each other, we don't need we to all, do we the were inside like, stuff. What? Look at yeah. that. Ooh, that's how you know the chemistry. It's just so good. Wow. Uh, okay. Um, wow. <laughs> it's a passionate. Play. It's, it's it, there's there's a lot going on there. Oh, yeah. Wow. Cool. Um, tell us about your experience working with Frigid Fest. Uh, this is my third Frigid Fest, but my first time with Sour Grapes Productions, I actually came uh, doing sketch comedy with another person, Amanda DeCastro, who's also in As He Likes It, the last two years, and it's always been fantastic for us, and we saw Sour Grapes Productions the last two times, they've been here as many times as us, and their their uh, experience seems to have been as wonderful, I know that the plays have been wonderful the last two years. You were part of last year. Yes, I was. Right? This is my second Frigid, and I think this is the third... Uh, frigid for Sour Grapes yes. as a whole but my second was we did a Twilight Zone parody last season and it was again so much fun it was just we it, we chan- what did we channel we channeled the plane scene there were the, the dolls I got to play Burgess Meredith who and then I got to kill we, it was just the society Jen- made this, to look the same yeah and what I love about Jenny's brilliance as a writer is that she will get a concept that is that everyone knows and it's very popular, and she will put her own dark, humorous spin on it. Everyone knows the Twilight Zone, so sure. she will grab those people who, who love the Twilight Zone, and she's going to give them what they like. It, same for for Shakespeare; she's putting the Shakespeare version of it, and she's giving she's giving the people yeah, what dark they like. spin is her wheelhouse. Two years ago, the production was CSI Mayberry, so oh, yeah, right. it was a grim version of uh, uh, classic television, but absolutely. Hilarious. Hilarious. Just dark and gritty, mixed with lots of characters walking around like, well, it's good to see you, kiddo. It was
was great. <laughs> so the shows they've let us put up are strange, weird, wonderful. The spaces have worked out perfectly for them. And I've always been absolutely amazed at the sort of sense of community because when I first applied, I was like, it's, okay, so it's at two theaters spread a little distance apart, but they're both in the East Village, but there's the whole East Village feel to contend with. But it does feel like a sort of contained festival when you're here going to a couple shows in a row and so on. It's, it's so much fun. And Frigid really liked us so much last season that we won Best Ensemble, so holla. Wow. <laughs> holla for that. Congratulations. Thank you. That's, that's terrific. Well, we're almost out of time, so before we go, please give our audience uh, the social media information for the show. Yeah, you can find uh, information on Facebook at Sour Grapes Productions. You can search for it or facebook.com slash Sour Grapes Productions. Same on Instagram, Sour Grapes Productions there as well. And uh, sourgrapesproductions.com has all the info centralized for you with announcements about this and other shows. And check this out. If you want to go and get tickets directly, first, you know, of course, go and look up all the social media. It's amazing. But you can go to tinyurl.com slash ashlikesitfrigid. That's A-S-H-E, likesitfrigid. And get tickets right there. I've memorized that. I may not be good in math, but I can memorize that. Wow. Unless you get a broken link, and then it's my fault, and I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you are definitely going to be able to keep both of the, all of the Olivers straight, right? Of course, yes. <laughs> sure. Unless the Irish slips through, then we'll be good. <laughs> or one of them has to do math. Thanks. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Sir Oliver Martex might be better than that. Probably. How many beers can I drink? <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, it's been delightful talking to you. You as well. Oh, it's been thank great. You very much. Hopefully you come see our show. I am going to do my absolute very best. I There's really a lot am. of shows. There are. There, and they're amazing, too. There, there are a lot of shows, and, and I'm interviewing 28 20 oh my different gosh. shows. So. And I bet you Jenny's going to go see at least 29, 30 of the shows. It's math again. Wow. Energizer Bunny. <laughs> totally. I wish I had that kind of energy. But <laughs> d- directors should have that kind of energy. So she's the director, right? And the writer. Director, yes. writer, and star. Oh my gosh. Wow. I yeah. know. Many hats. Oh, uh, well, I, I have to lay down now just hearing that. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Preston and Matthew K. Sears. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, and uh, break legs in As He Likes It, a Shakespeare comedy. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. Weren't they amazing? Great interviews, and I just know you're going to enjoy their shows. So go see them. You can find information and tickets to all of the 2018 Frigid Festival shows at www.horsetrade.info. That's www.horsetrade.info. Once again, I'd like to thank my guests, Mike Levy from Lenny Bruce is Not Afraid, Caitlin Overton, Shandy Bennett, and Sean Welsh-Brown from Rut, and Matthew Preston and Matthew K. Sears from As He Likes It, a Shakespeare comedy. You can find more episodes of Your Program Is Your Ticket at facebook.com slash yourprogramisyourticket. I'm on Twitter at at programticket. The website is yourprogramisyourticket.com. How easy is that? I'm also on YouTube. I have a couple of fun videos there. You can just search me out at yourprogramisyourticket. I'm on iTunes and SoundCloud. Rate me, write me a review, subscribe. All that helps, and I appreciate it. Folks, take a little time to see a show this week, and don't forget to give a smaller show some love. There's lots of theater gems out there. Until our next show, good night, theater people, and curtain. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud 
with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor, and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.